Welcome everyone to the Take Control of Your Health podcast. This is Dr. Mercola bringing you the latest cutting edge interviews to help you achieve optimal health. You can receive more information by subscribing to my free daily newsletter at Mercola.com. Because you won't find us on Google or Facebook, we respect your privacy and will continue to fight the Silicon Valley censorship. Thank you so much for listening. So let's get started with this week's latest program to help you and your family take control of your health. Welcome, everyone. This is Dr. Mercola helping you take control of your health. And today we are joined with Barbara Lowe Fisher to celebrate our 10th anniversary of Vaccine Awareness Week. Can you believe it? 10 years we've been working together to help increase awareness about this issue and had some amazing victories because of your support and participation. And the collaboration is even more important because of what's been happening since last year. So we're gonna get into that, some of the updates and some real exciting information on the conference that's coming up that hasn't been held for 11 years. The last one was 2009. Yeah. So um, I'm really excited to go. They're very, very disappointed it's not gonna be live oh, no. uh, in person, but you know that's what it is nowadays. Almost all the events are virtual by uh, <clears throat> dictation. So, um, well, well, thanks for joining us today. And uh, what do you wanna start with? There's so much to discuss. I, you know, there is so much to discuss. So much has happened this year, and we've talked about it before, uh, and you've written about it extensively this year. Um, well, I think that why don't we start out with t talking about the conference, because, you know, we had to make a decision uh, this year, earlier this year, when this all happened with this COVID-19 pandemic announcement. We had to cancel the hotel venue that we had planned for two years to have this conference, the fifth international public conference on vaccination uh, with a theme protecting health and autonomy in the 21st century. That was gonna be held at a hotel as you, as you mentioned, but we, ha we had to make a decision. Were we gonna cancel it all together or were we gonna try to pivot quickly to an online conference, which we'd never done before. I mean, these online conferences are very, very new. And so I, I really thought about it and I said, you know, we have to do this. We have to make a statement. We have to gather the, the brightest and best that we can persuade to speak out uh, this year on all of these issues. And we, we went ahead and we engaged a, a professional AV company and we're producing this conference online for the first time. Uh, and I'm so, I was so excited to see how many credentialed scientists and physicians, uh, state senators, uh, authors, uh, human rights activists, how many people agreed. Uh, there, we have more than 40 speakers, high caliber speakers, who are going to be presenting at this conference October 16 through 18. Uh, and it's a three-day, three-night conference. It also features two films. And I, I'm, I'm just delighted that, that we have been able to have this kind of a conference in this very stressful year where so many people are being, are being restricted. Freedom of speech is being restricted, certainly freedom of assembly. 
uh, and freedom of thought, which has been on, under attack for a number of years, uh, is, is, is going to be fully, we're having a, a, a freedom celebration at this conference. That's really what this is about. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy to uh, announce that uh, we have not posted the speakers on, on our, our website, on our conference website. Uh, but um, this, this uh, interview you and I are doing, the kickoff Vaccine Awareness Week, uh, we're going to be uh, unveiling the, the conference speakers. We have four themes to our conference. Uh, we have uh, Show Us the Science, uh, which is the, the, the first day. Uh, we have U.S. and International Vaccine Choice Advocacy, the paradigm shift toward health and liberty and growing our grassroots, which is also a lot about advocacy. So uh, do you want me to name some of the speakers now? Yeah, or? Why, don't, why don't you enlighten us with who's going to reveal the mystery up until now? And, that, <laughs> and just to emphasize, this was primarily done not for suspense, but to protect the people who are going to be speaking there to, from uh, negative feedback that they might get in their own uh, communities. Unfortunately, I mean, it's really sad that we, we, we had to kind of hold this back until, until now, uh, three weeks or three and a half weeks before the conference. But we have the wonderful Chris Exley, who's going to be talking about aluminum toxicity and human health. Jacob Pulio from India, redefining vaccine reactions to erase evidence of harm. Dennis Rancourt, from, who is going to talk about uh, from masking to mortality rates, COVID-19 and what the science tells us. We have Vicki Pebsworth, who is a PhD health research, uh, uh, health methods uh, expert, talking about the new technologies driving the creation of COVID-19 vaccines. We have Alan Cassells, uh, who an, an author, uh, very well published in the medical literature. Uh, consensus science is not science, because science is never settled. Malcolm Kendrick from Scotland, manipulating science to endorse policy and market products. Meryl Nass, who has been, is an expert on anthrax vaccine. Uh, Dr. Nass will be speaking about from anthrax vaccine to COVID-19, what you need to know about one company making a coronavirus vaccine. And that's the company that makes anthrax vaccine. Uh, Sing Hung Lee, who is an expert in HPV and the uh, is going to be talking about HPV vaccine risks and failures. Um, Teresa Deicher, who is the head of a company that's trying to make what she calls ethical vaccines, using human fetal cells to make vaccines is her topic. I mean, there's like more than 40, okay? I'm talking about the scientists right now. Richard Deeth, uh, Rodney Dieterich, who's going to talk about micro, uh, why the microbiome matters. Richard Deeth is talking about inflammation, epigenetics, and autism lessons from, for COVID-19 vaccines. Um, then we have, our, uh, we have both Don Richardson talking about the US landscape with vaccine uh, laws. And we have from Canada, uh, the lobby to remove vaccine uh, choices in Canada, Ted Kunz and Rocco Galati. And uh, from uh, Germany, Chris Gablaum, uh, Dr. Gablaum was be talking about the European experience uh, with mandatory vaccination. Uh, we go into uh, the second day, and we have Michael Ferris, who's the, who founded, basically founded the homeschooling movement in this country. Why homeschooling is under attack and what you can do. Uh, we have three uh, 
speakers who are going to talk about the religious well, it's about your right to follow your conscience uh, and the religious uh, freedom issue that's associated with, with vaccine mandates. Rabbi Michael Green, Respecting Life and Guarding Your Soul is his topic. Uh, Bishop, we have a Catholic bishop, Bishop Joseph Strickland, who's going to talk about rejecting the culture of death to embrace the sanctity of life. Uh, Eric Metaxas, who is a, a well-known author who has written a, a biography on Martin Luther, is going to be talking about the role of freedom of conscience for Martin Luther and the Protestant religion. Um, we have uh, a board member, Dr. Stephanie Christner, who's, who lost a daughter to vaccination, talking about the shrinking medical vaccine exemption, handcuffing doctors, and increasing vaccine risks. Uh, we have Dr. Alvin Moss who, uh, from West Virginia, who is a bioethicist and uh, a physician talking about why and how vaccine mandates violate the ethical and legal right to inform consent. And then Dr. Larry Pilevsky, who is speaking at, has spoken at a number of our conferences, he's going to talk about the physician's duty to first do no harm. Uh, Bob Sears, who uh, many people know, is going to talk about when public policy invalidates professional judgment, a pediatrician's experience. David Brownstein, Dr. Brownstein is going to talk about since when did it become a crime to support the immune system. He has been under attack uh, by the government for speaking out about many of the things that you've been speaking out about, Dr. Mercola. No, Eric, yes, yeah, uh, yes. I saw that interview. Dr. Eric Plasker, who is a chiropractor, is going to be talking about living the 100-year lifestyle. Um, Dr. Uh, uh, Scott Jensen, who is a Minnesota state senator, is going to be talking about censoring freedom of speech. If it can happen to me, it can happen to anyone. Ronnie Cummins, who's one of our uh, Liberty Partners, um, uh, Health Liberty Partners is going to be talking about grassroots rising. You, of course, Dr. Mercola, are going to talk about take back control of your health. You put that phrase on the map years ago. And in a, in a way, our whole conference is about taking back control of your health. Um, I will be speaking about defending life and liberty in the vaccine culture war. Uh, RFK Jr. will be talking about pharmaceutical companies must be held legally accountable for vaccine injuries and deaths. We have a veterinarian, uh, Odette Souter. Dr. Souter is going to be talking about what veterinary science tells us about pet vaccines. Stephen Rubin, who has long uh, operated the, created and operated the MedAlerts uh, uh, database, is going to be talking about what has happened to the vaccine adverse event reporting system. Twyla Brays, uh, who is an expert in electronic tracking, is going to talk about electronic healthcare records tracking you from birth to death. Marco Caceres, who is the managing editor of the Vaccine Reaction at NVIC, will talk about tyranny of the experts who's fact-checking the fact-checkers. Uh, Sherry Tenpenny is going to be talking about mandatory vaccination. Adults are next. Kevin Jenkins, who is an activist in New Jersey, is going to be talking about knowledge is power. State Senator Heidi Sampson is talking about under the influence of the vaccine mandate lobby influencing state legislatures. Andrew Wakefield is going to talk about past is prologue, what the history of the 1986 act reveals, 
And of course, that movie is going to be shown, one time showing at our conference. Sheila Ely, who was featured in the Vaxxed film, is going to talk about when mothers are silenced, children suffer. And Andrew Kaufman, uh, Dr. Kaufman, is going to talk about psychological warfare in the COVID-19 era. Uh, and Vera Sheroff, uh, who has been a longtime human rights activist, talking about doctors guilty of medical atrocities from Auschwitz to Tuskegee, Willowbrook, and beyond. And Dale Bigtree, walking the high wire, you never walk alone. So I'm really excited about it, and I hope other people are too. It's, it's going to be a historic conference. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I've interviewed about eight or nine of the people who will be speaking, so familiar with their work, but they've got a lot of, a lot of good people up there, so it's great. And, you know, I remember, interestingly, this is the fifth international conference. <clears throat> I spoke at the fourth, and at, <clears throat> listen, I actually purchased the tapes, audio cassette tapes for the third. I'm sure I, it must have been about 2004, 2005. I remember it came- No, it was actually 2002. 2002. So I purchased them probably in 2004 or five. And I was just so enamored with the material that it's shortly after I listened to those that I called you up and, and uh, we agreed to work together. So this, yes. is a, this is a real special event to consider attending. And, and it's actually, you know, this, this year, unlike all previous events, you had to travel to it. Now you could buy the the uh, information afterwards, but you're going to get a ticket for a fraction of the price and you don't have to travel or pay for a hotel room. We have kept so. the ticket price really low to try to allow families around the world to be able to see this yeah. conference. And um, I would encourage people to, to go to NVIC.org. Right at the top of NVIC.org, you can click on a button and it will take you to the conference website. Yeah, and one of the reasons you're able to offer it, offer it for such a low price, uh, it's not like you were inflating it when it was a live event, although I would prefer to pay more for the live event, is that there's, the expenses go down dramatically. You don't have to pay for anyone's airfare. You don't have to pay for the hotel. So all that disappears. Uh, and it's also important to uh, highlight the fact that any surplus revenues go to support NBIC, which is why we're having this whole vaccine awareness campaign to support the work that you're doing. And I certainly want you to review what you've done the last year, some of the victories you've had and address some of the, the new challenges that have presented themselves since the pandemic and what you've been, you and uh, NBIC has been able to yeah. implement and to address. Well, we've kept on, of course, uh, not only publishing information. Uh, I've done a COVID-19 special report that I continue to update, and I will be, there's a video commentary that, I, that is part of Vaccine Awareness Week that I will be releasing called Vaccination, What's Trust Got to Do With It, where I do an overview of what's happened this year and talk about trust issues and, and certainly the polling that is, that is confirming that not just in the United States, but around the world, people are losing faith in the vaccine system. They, they are losing faith in vaccine safety and effectiveness. And a lot of it has to do with what has happened this year. I mean, this has been a public relations disaster for, in my opinion, for the public health profession. Uh, they are the ones that have advised politicians around the world, lawmakers, 
to institute these draconian restrictions, these social distancing, isolation, deprivation restrictions on people uh, for an infection that at this point is, is mortality is less than 1%. And uh, it doesn't even compare to some of the infections that have uh, infectious diseases that ha have plagued humans in the past most notably Ebola, which has a 50% mortality rate, smallpox 30%, diphtheria 20%, 10 to 20%. I mean, it's just, it's just so outsized, out, out, of, out of balance what they've done. And that's caused a lot of protests all around the world, people protesting, and it's caused a lack, a continuing lack of trust in the system. So it's their own fault for people being more skeptical. Uh, but at any rate, we have continued to monitor legislation in the states. A lot of state legislatures have been working remotely, uh, not allowing people to come into the Capitol building and speak with them. So a lot of the people are using our NDIC advocacy portal, which is an online communications network, to, to email and to call their legislators, which is what we want them to do, but we also have been encouraging people to meet one-on-one -on -one with their legislators, which is the most effective way that you can talk with people and convince them that they need to take a look at these vaccine uh, laws that don't allow exemptions. So what has happened uh, this year? A quick, a quick question on that before you go on to what happened this sure. year. When they meet with the legislators in person, do they typically meet with the legislator themselves or is it one of their, uh, their aides? <laughs> well, it depends. I, one, many, many moons ago I, on Capitol Hill, I worked, I worked on Capitol Hill and, um, I, for, for a congressman. And, and, and the, the, the truth is that most of the time it's very difficult to get a, an appointment with your uh, member of Congress or in the legislature, unless you're a big donor unless you're a donor. However, there are aides that do, and what I learned when I worked on Capitol Hill was the people that really run the place are the, the legislative aides. Mm -hmm. They're the ones that really create the legislation. They're the ones that recommend to the member what they should do. And I think a lot of people don't realize the, the power that people have who, worked for, who work for congressmen and senators at the federal and state level. So, if you're not able to meet with your actual member, don't, don't be upset. You need to meet with the, with the people who are advising him and, and make sure that you are clear about where you stand. And of course, the a legislator wants to get reelected. So, you know, you have to make your voice heard. And at this point, uh, it's very difficult to meet with anybody because they're blocking off access because of COVID-19. So uh, nevertheless, as I said before, there have been protests around this country in Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, California, Virginia, other states protesting lockdowns, protesting masking, etc. So they couldn't get into the building, but they have been protesting outside the building. At any rate, what, what's happened this, this year uh, under these strange circumstances? We have uh, issued positions and tracked uh, 232 vaccine-related bills. That's the highest number of bills 
that ever have been introduced in state legislatures in one year. And that, yeah, that, we're, we're only at uh, September. 232 bills in 39 states. Well, most bills are introduced in the spring and um, in, the, in the winter rather, and then worked on during the spring. And in some states, it, it lingers into the fall. Uh, so right now we're writing, a, a, you know, we're going to be issuing a legislative report for Vaccine Awareness Week, 39 states. So the majority of states had vaccine-related bills introduced. Um, there were 13 bills in 10 states that were filed to eliminate vaccine exemptions. None passed. No exemption. Hey, <laughs> Stand up and clap your hands and take a big giant jump. Yep. No bills passed to eliminate. Okay, out of 10 bills filed across eight states to restrict vaccine exemptions, only one passed. And that was in Colorado, uh, requiring a vaccine provider signature or completion of an online education module uh, for religious or conscientious exemptions. So that was that restriction. Uh, out of the 123 vaccine bills that MVIC opposed, only eight bad vaccine bills passed. That's a remarkable, a remarkable uh, statistic. And it is, it is an absolute tribute to the people who are listening and are contacting their legislators that are using the MVIC advocacy portal that are taking the guidelines and the analyses that we publish, they're, they're looking at the information, they're getting the, their facts straight, and they're contacting their legislators. This is, this is true grassroots advocacy. There was a very bad vaccine bill passed in Virginia, the, one of the worst that has ever been passed. And that is a bill that would uh, codify into law without public hearings, without input from, from, from really to the legislators, without a vote by the legislator, codify into Virginia law the ACIP recommendations, the Federal Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices that is appointed by the Center Disease Control when they make a, a, declare, a recommendation that children should use a certain vaccine. Whenever they do that in Virginia, it will automatically be put into the state mandate list for children to attend school. The Board of Health will do a review, but the Board of Health is politically appointed. So basically what Virginia did is they cut the people out of the process. No longer will there be a vote. So all the advocacy work that we're encouraging, that's how they're gonna to try to cut it off. Hmm. And I predict they're gonna to try to go state by state with this legislation they passed in Virginia and make every state that way, cutting the people out of the legislative process, which is a direct threat to democracy. Wow, that's a major update. So the summary of that is you've been highly, highly effective at preventing most of this legislation. But the one, one of the few bills that was able to get through is one of the worst because uh, fortunately it's only one state so far, but it just, to me, it suggests that you really have to double down as hard as you can to make sure this bill is never passed in any other state. Yeah, that, that's absolutely true. There's another good statistic here. 99 bills NBIC supported. 
99 vaccine-related bills were introduced in these states that because people got to their legislators and they wanted to expand vaccine exemptions, they wanted to protect the right to make vaccine choices, they wanted to prevent vaccine tracking systems from taking over, uh, 99 bills. In 2015, there were only 19 bills that MVIC supported. So in five years, we've gone from 19 bills that are good, that were good bills in 2015 to 99 good bills in, a, in, in 2020. That is also shows you the power of, of really encouraging people to stand up for their rights and to communicate with their legislators. So we're feeling, we're feeling positive, even as we know that the COVID-19 vaccine is coming and that it will likely be mandated. Hmm. Well, that's great. Uh, a wonderful update. Uh, and of, of those 99 bills that were introduced, I don't believe you stated how many of them passed that you were supporting. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't have that stat. I, I, I don't have that from Don yet. So I'm not sure. Maybe none, none of them did. But the, the point is that people, the change, social change only occurs over time. It doesn't occur immediately. So it's, it's, we have to keep going back again and again and again and never give up. Eventually, I, I believe that what's happened this year has gone a long way to raising the consciousness of the people about vaccine and public health issues and public health law issues. And I think that we're, we're poised in 2021, even though they're gonna to try to mandate this COVID-19 vaccine, we're poised for a very robust conversation, whether the public health officials like it or not, legislators wanna get reelected and they know a lot of people are upset about these vaccine laws. So we just have to keep plugging away. Hmm. So it sounded like from all the information you're exposed to, especially legislatively, that you're relatively convinced that the the COVID-19 will be mandated? Because I haven't seen any support for that or suggestion. I mean, they obviously want that, but I think, first of all, I don't know if they can do that, at least this year for sure, because there's not going to be enough vaccines available. But uh, is your projection into next, next year? No. Do I think they're going to try to mandate COVID-19 vaccine? Yes, I do. There has not been a vaccine that the, that the CDC has recommended for universal use since I started this work in 1982 that has been recommended by the CDC that has not eventually been mandated. Okay, what is your, what's your definition of mandate? Is be, you know, I think that's where we need to establish what, the, what those criteria are, what that means. Uh, what does it mean now? What do you think it'll mean when it gets implemented? Well, when the ACIP makes a recommendation for universal use of a vaccine, uh, that is taken by the states as a, as a, as a, a direction to add that to the mandates. Okay, you're talking about vaccine. For school entry. For school, school entry. Okay. Now, I do believe they want to make this one uh, mandated for all people, all children and adults. And the way that they will do that is just like the lockdown restrictions and the masking restrictions had social sanctions attached, they will try to attach the same types of social sanctions. They will try to get businesses to make it a requirement 
that you have to have a COVID-19 vaccine in order to work in an office. They will make it mandatory when, for anyone entering a public space. That's what their goal is. How, whether they achieve that or not is up to us. It's up to the people. You know, there have been, as I said, protests, not just in this country, but in, in, in Europe, in Berlin, in Paris, in Copenhagen, in uh, London, uh, there, in Australia, in New Zealand, people are starting to stand up. And what's the code word for all the protests against these lockdown restrictions? Freedom. And freedom has been the code word for NBIC for 38 years. Because we knew when our children were injured by, by DPT vaccine, we knew that, that the whole, the, that law that was passed in 1986, the National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act, it was all predicated on the idea that if government mandates, recommends and mandates vaccines, then the company should not be liable for vaccine injuries and deaths. That was the way that law got passed. And to take away liability from the pharmaceutical industry and from doctors. So I, I believe that, yes, they will try to mandate COVID-19 vaccine. Yeah, that's, uh, that would be a disaster. But fortunately, they haven't. Uh, they want to. And participation in events like this and support for your organization will help facilitate the resistance to this. I mean, this pandemic is unquestionably incontrovertibly the greatest existential risk to our freedom unquestionably i completely agree with you dr mercola this is uh, what they have done is unprecedented this has never occurred in the history of the world and it, and what is so remarkable is when you take a step step back and look at it which is what i've done to for this uh, commentary I'm writing for BAW, you see that it is highly orchestrated. How in the world did all the governments, including the U.S. government, decide to shut down their societies, causing widespread, catastrophic, global economic ruin, unemployment at, un at unprecedented levels, small businesses being destroyed? They, they will never come back or it's gonna take a long time to come back. Mental health issues, suicides up, uh, anxiety and depression rates up, child abuse and spouse abuse rates up in the United States. Hotlines not able to manage all of the callers because people in this country are in state of shock and they're suffering. For what? Yes, this, you, can, you can die and you can be injured by this COVID-19 infection, just like any other infectious disease. But the fear and anxiety that has been created, the, the pathological fear of being near anybody, don't touch anybody, don't be near anybody. You would think it was Ebola and people were literally bleeding out in the streets. This is like influenza, or other respiratory infections, it appears to have a higher mortality rate. But you know, you look at Sweden. I, I took a look at Sweden's uh, per million death rate. 
they did not lock down. Their chief epidemiologist said, we need to allow controlled herd immunity to take effect. This is an infection. It's going to go through the population. It, you cannot stop it. You have to manage it, but let's get herd immunity. They have a lower per million death rate than the United States where we tried <laughs> to lock everything down. So the science is not all in and yet they're rushing to bring these vaccines out using RNA and mes messenger RNA and DNA technology that has never been licensed for humans. And yet they're rushing to put this on the market and there are all these calls to mandate to make sure that every man, woman, child takes this vaccine when they're right. not going to have the science. And the reason it wasn't licensed is because I believe they've been working on it for about 10 years, but been, has, have never been able to show an effective, an effective coronavirus vaccine in 10 years. I know. This is a coronavirus. Like it's in the family of coronaviruses that causes the common cold. Right. And in fact, you, you reported on this, There's, there are studies out showing that uh, it looks as if you can have a mild case of, of COVID-19, still get T-cell uh, memory uh, helper, helper cells to, that are resisting uh, the, the COVID-19 infection. If you've had potentially a, a cold and been infected with another coronavirus, you may have some protection. They don't know how much. But they also know that you can have a mild case and it looks as if you can get immunity without having even high antibody levels. To me, this is a game changer. If, if they are use, having clinical trials and the, the standard, the measurement they're using to measure proof of immunity is antibody titers. When the truth is for this virus, you can have T cell immunity and not antibodies, but still be immune? <laughs> what are they measuring? What, what, are the, what are they measuring in terms of how effective a vaccine is? The other issue is you could have herd immunity already in this country because a lot of asymptomatic people will recover. They won't be counted as being COVID-19. But you could have herd immunity in this country already or getting close to it but you simply aren't measuring for it. Yeah. We don't have the right tools to measure it. I mean, they're not even for conventional illnesses, let alone uh, uh, SARS-CoV-2. I mean, we don't have the, the, we can't, we can measure humoral immunity, but we, humoral immunity, but we can't measure cell-mediated immunity, the T-cells. Correct. It doesn't work. No, it's, it's, it's like they've skipped uh, vaccinology one on 101. They're not really looking, they don't have a knowledge base that they need. And this, they've known this for a long time. They just went ahead and produced all these vaccines without really understanding the way natural infection uh, affects the human body and, and stimulates immune responses. They skipped a lot of important steps and went right straight to, well, we think this works. We'll make yeah. a vaccine this way. And they're using fear. RFK, who, who's also speaking at your event, I'm not yes, sure if you mentioned him, but I, I just love that man. He's just, I mean, he obviously has a verbal uh, challenge, but his ability to communicate and articulate the truth is just one, he's one of the most prof 
profoundly effective speakers on this on this topic. I mean, I'm just so looking forward to hearing what he has to say. Yeah, he made a great speech in Berlin uh, about a, two weeks ago uh, at a protest in Berlin, and it was a really good speech. Um, and he stood there, you know, where JFK had stood many years ago. I was actually, my father was in the army, and I was in I was in Germany when. Our, uh, JFK made the Ich bin an Berliner speech uh, when the wall went up. Uh, but that was quite a moment for him to be standing there in Berlin um, making a freedom speech uh, when his uh, uncle had done the same thing many years before. Yeah, so he's forgot the point I wanted to make, but oh, he's the person who helped me fully understand, and he explains it so eloquently, that the tool they are using to implement these changes is the one that hits our emotional limbic brain, and that is fear. They've done it on steroids, and the reason I wanna mention that, they've been very, very effective because that's so many tools. I'm gonna to speak a little bit about it at, on your event, or at your event, and uh, there, you have other speakers, but that's what they're using. They're using this fear to uh, motivate people to action and accept these tyrannical uh, uh, implementations. But the, the message, the key is that you don't have to be fearful because there are so many strategies that have essentially been censored out of existence, existence that essentially can obliterate the infection in nearly everyone. Not 100%, but close to it, especially you know, if you have any healthy, any potentially potential in your immune system, you can activate it and obliterate this disease. We, I've seen it, David Bronstein's seen it, and these are simple, inexpensive, safe measures that virtually are free and, and without side effects. So you don't have to rely on expensive medications or certainly a vaccine. Well, I've seen uh, information come out recently that's confirmed what you've been saying about vitamin D and mm -hmm. how it's so important to keep your levels of vitamin D up to resist any type of infection yeah, or to, that is to one of them. through it. Yes, along with metabolic flexibility, but those are preventive strategies. But you know, for many people, it's too late because it takes a while to build up your levels, it takes a while to develop uh, insulin sensitivity. But there are strategies that are going to be reviewed at your event, and I've reviewed on my site too, that you just do this and literally, no matter what your state is, you're almost gonna recover within hours, hours of having the infection, of not being able to breathe and feeling like you're gonna die and it's just gone. I mean, and it's just, and, and it's, essentially no side effects and almost free. It's crazy. Right. Well, that's uh, exciting. No, I'm excited about the information that's going to be presented at this conference. And I'm also excited about the, the new movie, Andy Wakefield's new movie, 1986, The Act, which uh, I, I was interviewed sure, several you times. You are the superstar, the primary feature <laughs> person in the movie and well-deserved so. I was really delighted to see that and really highlight your valiant efforts over the last three decades to and, and sort of uh, inform the world of what you've done because he, he, he dug up some really uh, previously uh, not unexposed but, or material that hasn't received a lot of uh, distribution. So well, that's I, I, right. It's yeah. a thoroughly documented book, uh, film. I think that's what struck me. I, I was at a film screening a couple of weeks ago in Miami, and I had not actually seen the film the whole way through. I'd only seen excerpts, excerpts of it. And I sat there and I thought, this is a movie that the CDC and the manufacturers do not want anybody to, to watch because it's evidence-based 
and documented. And it's like, it's almost like a mystery where you, we, you have these, this couple that has just gotten, uh, they're going to have a baby and they go through this process of discovery. And so the audience goes through the process of discovery as well. And it is very much a follow the money film and about the fraud and cover up that, that was really the companies, the pharmaceutical industry and the government engaged in on DPT vaccine. And uh, that of course was the vaccine that hurt my son and really launched the vaccine safety and informed consent movie, uh, movement in this country in 82. And so it's this 38 year journey. Uh, I was, I'm very grateful to, Dr., uh, to Andy Wakefield for, for doing this film because it sets the record straight about the history of that law. There's been a lot of misinformation out there about it. And I'm very glad that he set it straight. Yeah, it was, it's really excellent. I think it's far better than Vaxxed and absolutely worth your time in viewing it. And if you register for the event, you will get to see it. Yes, go to nvic.org and please register for our conference. And if you, if the spirit moves you, you can also become a sponsor of the conference. Yeah, yeah, it's really great. And uh, I wasn't sure what I was going to speak about. So you gave me directions which were really helpful. So uh, just to give you a preview of what I'm going to be talking about, uh, I've been doing this for just about as long as you have. I think I, I think I, I no, I started in 85. When did you okay. start? When, yeah, I started in 82. 82. So you, you've been, I mean, I, that's when I graduated med school. So I didn't actually get out into the field until 85. So uh, it's a long time. And I'm going to put together in the presentation, the hot, the best of the best tips that you can do to take control of your health. I mean, oh, really, the absolute most basic fundamental things that if you aren't doing or the people you know and love and your family and friends aren't doing, they're going to be at increased risk for developing not only COVID-19, but almost every other single degenerative disease known to man, like heart disease and cancer and Alzheimer's disease, things that we all dread and eventually take us out or, or cause us unbelievable pain and disability. So we can eliminate virtually the, almost all the risk for these things by doing simple strategies. And sometimes you, you may know them, but, but I put it all together in one simple wow. presentation. So I'm really excited to share it. That's exactly what I was hoping you were going to do. Exactly. Because a lot of people when they decide that perhaps they're not going to use all the government recommended vaccines, just a few, or if they decide they're not going to use it, especially people whose children or if they or their children have suffered vaccine reactions, they need to have information about how they can lead a healthy lifestyle uh, without depending upon pharmaceutical products. Absolutely. It's not that you should, I'm not a big believer in using drugs. I, I rarely recommend them and I, they've virtually almost always fail to address the fundamental cause of why you're taking them, the symptoms, that the cause of the symptoms. But, but you just can't stop them willy-nilly. You have to replace them with a positive action to build up your own system so that you don't need them. And that's a process. And it's a process that was divinely inspired, I believe. And you have the ability, the potential to activate these systems to heal. Your body wants to be healthy, but you've got to know what to do to move it in that direction. It will be healthy if you give it simple, basic things that it was designed to have. Uh, <laughs> that's a great affirming message, life-affirming message, and that's really what I want our conference to be about. It's about 
freedom of thought, freedom of speech, freedom of conscience. It's about taking control of your health and, and, and really liberating ourselves from a very narrow paradigm, expanding it so that we can embrace many different types, many different ways of staying healthy. I, I, I'm with you. I mean, I know, I, I remember one time when I had very severe pneumonia, bacterial pneumonia, and if it hadn't been for antibiotics, I don't know what would have happened to me. So, you know, there are good things about medicine and about the pharmaceutical industry, but when it comes to at least the, the area I specialize in, I have been pretty shocked to find out how, how little these, these scientists and physicians know about uh, the way that vaccines act in the human body. And to me, um, it's not right to mandate a product that you don't fully understand how it's gonna act in the human body, uh, whether it's gonna be effective or whether it's gonna harm somebody. Uh, that's why we have. We certainly should all have the human right to make voluntary choices about using vaccines or indeed any drug. Yeah, and that's what this event's going to do. Is going to give us more information about this because it's not. We should obviously have the freedom to choose that, but we should have the freedom to choose that and have the in access to the information that gives them yeah. a rational ability to freely choose. If the information and access to the information is heavily censored, as it is today and has been for the at least the last year or two, then it becomes almost impossible unless you have access to tools to get to this. And uh, I'm really excited about some potential. I'm going to maybe talk a little bit about in my presentation, but. We need a workaround, some way to circumvent this censorship and tyranny and access to information. And I think, I think it's going to be the decentralized web, to give you a hint. Uh, it may take a few years to implement, but that decentralized web is something that cannot be shut down. Because right now, either of our sites can be shut down because they do it through the internet service providers, the ISP, ISPs, and all they have to do is just turn off, turn off the switch and you're gone. I mean, they can do it through, they're effective, they're not used, they haven't gone that far yet, but they can easily do that almost instantly. And, you know, they've done something close with essentially deplatforming almost everyone who's telling the truth from all the social media platforms and Google search engines. So limiting the access to it and, you know, you cannot spread anything. I mean, for us, I mean, we're one of the few sites, even Alex Jones hasn't had this level of censorship. You cannot put a, 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 on Twitter, a link to our site. Twitter refuses to allow any links to our site. I think, as I said, you can still put a link to InfoWords, but you can't do it to our site because they, they don't want people to access this information. I did not know that. Yeah. That's shocking. Yeah. I mean, because your information, like NVIC's information, is referenced. You, you, show, referenced. People, you show people where you got the information. Yeah. And, and, you know, that truly is freedom of thought. Mm -hmm. Why, they must be very afraid of the truth that you put out there. Well, it's, it's the next step after the elimination from Google search engine, which has 92% of the searches in the world. But we're, even with that the degree of censorship, we're still the most visited website, natural health website on the planet. Uh, but, you know, it does limit our ability to access information who are new to this and you know recently become aware that there's an issue here but they don't know or have never heard of me or others like me of how to find access to this and the simple tools they need to to activate their own uh 
ability to improve their own personal health. And, you know, so they have to stumble along until they eventually find some, some areas that are really helping them understand that, but they really make it hard to do now. I, I think this is temporary and we're going to have a workaround. It's going to take a few years, but I really believe this isn't as dark and dismal as it looks and doomsday potentially. I do think we have a, an alternative. Well, I think that's very hopeful. I mean, I know that we're, we're being squeezed down as well. NBIC uh, is being ghosted and disappeared from a lot of uh, areas, but you know, and I don't know, there's, there's some warning that in October, uh, which will be right before our conference, there's going to be a big uh, purge um, by uh, Facebook and others that don't want people to access information like your information. So we'll have to see what that looks like. And, and speci specifically geared toward COVID-19, quote, misinformation. So I guess we all have to wait and see what they're going to do. Well, again, this is the biggest existential threat to our freedom, our personal freedom and our liberty. And they're using this as an excuse to implement these strategies. That's why your attendance at this event is so important. I mean, it's, 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 it's a very small investment. What does it cost anyway? It's under $100. $80 for three days and three nights of knowledge. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, and it's, you, that's the lowest we've ever, we've ever offered. And, yeah. and in some ways, I, I, I mourn the fact that we can all get together. There's a, there's a real ex, uh, experience that you have mentally, mm -hmm. emotionally, you know, when you go to, we gather together with like-minded people. But the truth is that, by putting it online and making it available online, we're going to reach many, many more people. Yeah. But I, I am deeply sad, saddened that it is not a live, I mean, an in-person event. I was I so know. looking forward to this because this has been in I know. planning well before this pandemic happened. We, we were yeah. talking, I had it all booked out. It, I think I even probably purchased my tickets, my airline tickets, but uh, it is what it is and we just make the best of it. So it'll all work yes. out. We will. We will. It's going to be good. And uh, I, it's going to be there, this knowledge base there for people as we go into 2021. And we don't know what the governments are going to do. We don't know to the extent they're going to try to force everyone to get vaccinated or eliminate your ability to participate in society. If you look at the social sanctions that have been attached to this COVID-19 event, you know, not being able to leave your home, not being able to enter a store without, without masks, uh, uh, just and, and, and the excising of, of information off the internet, the, the, the censorship. It's, um, you know, we, I just pray that they're, they're going to be more reasonable uh, because there's a lot of protests and they know that the majority of people don't want to take this vaccine. Yeah, what is, what is your access to the numbers? Because even the conventional mainstream media sites like CNN and, and New York Times, which are about the top of the pack with respect to their perceived reputational authority, uh, are suggesting that it may be the majority of people who are not going to, who do not want to take this vaccine. So what, what, is, what is your data show? I've seen estimates of anywhere from 30 to 50 to even 80%. It depends upon what poll you're talking about. Now, those categories are people who definitely plan not to take the vaccine, don't want to take it. People who uh, are on the fence, uh, they're worried about it and they, you know, they haven't made a decision. 
um, people who say they're likely not to. So, I mean, there's all, it's kind of soft in terms of what the real hard categories are, but I think that when the vaccines come out, uh, I think that majority of people are going to take a wait and see attitude. That's, that's just being prudent, uh, yeah. particularly when they're being fast tracked to licensure and they're skipping uh, or combining a lot of different kinds of, clin- of trials. Some, some manufacturers have skipped animal trials. Some have, uh, are combining stage two and stage three trials. There are some people that are calling uh, for just putting it out there before the, 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 the evidence is in because it's such a dire situation. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's beyond extreme. I mean, and we don't have to look too far back. I mean, you just have to go to the 70s when, when they had the swine flu uh, pandemic. Uh, 1975 or 76, I believe, and they introduced the swine flu vaccine, which was similarly rushed to market. And I, I'm not sure if it was mandated, but was heavily recommended by the recommended. CDC. And uh, interestingly, there is a 60 Minutes interview with Mike Wallace, the, 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 uh, the, who's passed away since then. But he was interviewing the CDC director at the time. And boy, I've never seen anyone so nervous. I mean, he grilled him over the coals. And I... I I'm actually interviewing Cheryl Atkinson uh, next week or later this month. And I want to ask her about this because, you know, right now you could not do that. CBS and 60 Minutes, they're all 100% aligned with the mainstream narrative and and, uh, pushing the government's agenda. But, you know, you wouldn't believe that was the case in 76 when he was grilling the CDC director. I mean, I, I, I was shocked to see this, but I mean, it eventually wound up, killing a number of people. And this was before the 1986 uh, bill got passed. It was in the yes. 70s. So they awarded over $3 billion in damages from the vaccine before they stopped it. They stopped it. And the reason I mentioned this is not as a historical precedent, but most likely that's what's going to happen with this vaccine. And who are they targeting? They're targeting two groups, healthcare professionals and minorities. They're, they, they, I mean, these these, there's going to be, I predict, and I wonder what your predictions are, but it seems to me it's absolutely inevitable. A, the vaccine is going to fail to work, and B, there's going to be enormous injuries and consequences down the road. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be severe neurological disease like there was in swine flu, probably not because it's a different type of vaccine, but there'll be some darn complications. And we even have suggestions of that. It's 100% side effects in, the, in the, early, the trials that have already been published. The second dose, everyone had side effects too. And these were young, healthy people. These were not elderly, immunocompromised individuals. Right. And there have been a number of grade three reactions, which are considered serious reactions under the CDC definitions in these trials. Uh, I am very concerned that... Uh, we don't know how many people have already had COVID-19. The clinical trials, I'm not sure if they're, they're including people who have had COVID-19 or if they're even checking whether people have had the infection. But even if they check, there's an incredible concern that the, the testing really isn't that valid that they're using. Right, but we don't know what's going to happen when you give a vaccine to someone who has already recovered recently from COVID-19. We don't know how the immune system is going to react to that uh, re-challenge. We don't know what's going to happen to people who have underlying medical conditions, people who have severe allergies, autoimmune disease, 
everybody's different. Everybody doesn't say, react the same way to pharmaceutical products like vaccines. And it's this lack of personalization of the vaccine policies, this one-size-fits-all approach, which has always been dangerous. And the ignoring of vaccine reactions, writing them off as coincidences, I'm going to be taking a really hard look when those trial results come out to see how many of the serious events did the investigators write off as being not related. This has become a pattern in vaccine clinical trials. Whenever a serious event happens or a death event happens, the investigators write it off as not associated. What's that about? I mean, that's not, it's not being truthful. They don't know if it's related or not. Who makes that decision and why are they making those decisions? But that, what happens is that skews the way that the vaccine safety profile is being presented to the public. You really have to look at the, at the data. You have to look at the, at the studies and, and understand the methodology they used uh, before coming to a conclusion about whether they've proved safety and effectiveness. That's, That's what we try to do at MBIC and put it out in lay terms so that people understand it. Yeah, you do the devil's in the details. And that's what they do with vitamin D. I mean, they spin off these studies that say that vitamin D doesn't work uh, because they gave everyone 2,000 units. Never, never, ever thought to measure the level in their blood, which is the final arbiter of whether it's going to work or not, and use that as the determining dose. So they come to the wrong conclusion because they're not measuring the right things. Uh, so it's real easy to spend a lot of money and time, effort, and energy and come up with results that are absolutely worthless. Yeah, it's, you know, uh, people really need to become educated about the science. And it's, it's not, if you've graduated from high school, and certainly if you've graduated from college, if you really put your mind to it, you can understand it. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty It's pretty. You don't simple. have to be an MD or PhD to understand no. it. No, and that's really the initial purpose of the site, to help translate some of that medical jargon down to simplified terms so that people can, you know, make it makes it easier for them to, to ha- grasp that understanding. If you want to go deeper, you can, but you don't have to. You know, you just right. the general chest. So I'm so excited about this event. I can't wait to uh, participate in, and listen and learn. And, you know, I'm going to have to clear out my schedule to make room for listening to all these presentations. <laughs> this is a I lot. Know. Well, the beauty of it is when you buy a ticket, an 80 buck ticket, you get lifetime access to this conference in the material. Uh, There's going to be a dedicated website that is going to have this permanently available. So it's a great deal because if you can't attend the conference real time and you want to attend, you want to. It's so much easier. Like I mentioned, the the third international conference, I listened to it on audio cassette tapes, you know, carry it around while I was running and listening to it. This you can stream online. There's no physical material you have to have. You just, all you need is an internet connection. You can listen to it and watch it. That's right. Yeah. So it's great. I'm really looking to, so looking forward to sharing my information too. And there's going to be, uh, this is probably going to be one of the best events of the year that you can attend. If you're interested in health, if you're not interested in health, then uh, don't come. (laughs) And personal freedom, and personal freedom. That's right. That's Liberty. right. Yeah. We're going to give you tools about how you can become a vaccine choice advocate. No matter whether you live overseas, you know, in another country or in the U.S., we're going to give you the landscape 
what it looks like and what you can do to protect your freedom. All right. Well, I am so sorry that I won't be able to reconnect with you in person. Yeah. Again, but uh, it is what it is. Uh, and uh, we'll hook up again at some point. <laughs> yeah. Know. We'll see each other somewhere. <laughs> All right. So uh, again, I'm really excited and uh, can't wait to to participate and listen to all these incredible speakers that are going to be there. And thank you for putting it together. It's about time. It's only been 11 years since the last one, but uh, better late than never. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> thank you. All right. All right. Well, we'll, we'll uh, connect then. And uh, they, oh, and I've also, I mean, it's got so focused on the event is that this is again, national vaccine awareness. So where this is the main fundraising event for your organization and the one that really supports it throughout most of the year. So I forget how, I don't know what the numbers are, but it, I know we're de set, definitely matching every dollar that yeah. you contribute. Yes, we you match it. Sometimes it's, it's two or three dollars. I just don't know what it is. And we'll, if, if I think it, this year it's, it's matching and we're promoting the conference. Okay. That's what it is. Okay. Whatever it is. So it, it, it adds up to enough support to get you through yes. the, uh, yeah, and, and uh, I'm proud to do that, even, even though uh, Washington Post and other mainstream media, you know, <laughs> vilify me for supporting you. I'm proud to be able to, to be aligned with an organization that's doing so much good for the population. Oh, well, without your support, I don't know where we'd be. Uh, I'm proud to be standing with you uh, for all these years and fighting for truth and freedom uh, in this country. So thank you. Yeah, 11, 11 years now. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Well, again, join, uh, help support NBIC. And then one of the simplest ways is to purchase a ticket for this event. And you're going to really appreciate all the material. So, I mean, there's how many speakers are there? More than 40. Yeah. So it's like $2 a lecture for, for you know, it's crazy. That's right. yeah, it's just nuts. Plus a couple of movies. A couple movies. It's hard to beat. It maybe you'll be entertained for a long, long time. Entertained, not only entertained, but entertained and educated, which is That's a right. great combination. All right. Well, thanks again, Barb. Okay. Bye-bye.